Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, this whole month of February, we're talking about serving and about what a joy it is to serve God. I believe that everybody's got a place. And um, our Pastor Bruce Grant is on staff here full time with us. His chief responsibility is around serving. And so I've asked him particularly this morning to come and share with us around that. Open your heart to the Word of God. Let's give a big hand, Pastor Bruce Grant. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I thought I was teaching people how to do model aeroplanes. No? Okay, we'll stick with serving. That's probably a good thing to do. So I don't know if you got this revelation or not, but um, have a think about that. Serving is kind of a big deal. If you don't resonate with that right now, you will by the end of this message. Uh, If you don't, pray harder, I suppose. But um, you're going to hear, hopefully from my heart, that I think serving is a great thing. The fact that God lets us do things for him, I think that's absolutely pretty amazing. But, um, you know, in regards to doing things for God, I'm very interested in people and how they do things and why they do different things. Um, I'm very curious about that. And I'm also aware of people, sometimes they make decisions that in hindsight were not that great. You've probably all seen those videos on YouTube, uh, you know, fails of the week or whatever it is. Um, I've got to be in the right mood, but I find some of them quite amusing. Other times they're very ouch kind of moments on there. And you think, what were you thinking? Why did you do something like that? Clearly, this was never going to end well. So I, I love watching some of those. And so it got me thinking, well, look, are there actually scientific reasons why people just do some of these things? Or is it just a, a, an abs, you know, a lapse of moment? So I came across an article uh, by, by um, a psychologist who's got a PhD. His name is uh, Ron Brzezik, um, it's, and it's from psychologytoday.com. So it's a verified psychology website, and I, I check out a fair bit of their stuff. And one of the articles that I read by him, which is peer-reviewed, by the way, so when something is peer-reviewed, it means that it's not just one person thinking something and saying it. There's other people that are within the same profession, and they go, yes, what you're saying is valid and correct and true. Um, so he came up with uh, this working paper, which says, why do people make bad choices? And the two things that he came up with is, first of all, bad choices often involving acting due to emotions rather than reason. Anyone ever made a poor decision in a moment of anger or frustration? Probably just have a look on the road next time you're driving. You may see some examples of that. Um, And this other one really surprised me, in actual fact, the the decision to double down on bad choices. What does that mean? It says it really means making a bad choice but sticking with it. You would think surely the moment that you realise this was not a good thing to be involved in, why wouldn't you just get out there as quick as you possibly can? Well, pretty much it comes down to pride, not wanting to admit you're wrong. Any men in the house say, you know, yeah, don't show your hands, that's fine. It's quite amazing, isn't it? It's like the fact that you're wrong, you just don't want to say that you're wrong, so you just pretend that, you know, the elephant isn't in the room. And there's there's obviously got to be more reasons as well, but it just really fascinates me about people and how we think about things and how we go about doing things. So then if we're looking at serving and, you know, is that really a big thing? Well, it really is. And I wanted to take you through just four points this morning that hopefully you'll be able to remember on helping just to justify that statement of why serving is such a big thing. So here's my first point then. Serving by choice is kind of a big thing. The choice. We've all got the choice. And if we choose to serve God, it's kind of a big thing. The reverse of that is also true. 
choosing to not serve God, that's also a big decision uh, that you are making. But I get that. It really is a choice. Just, you know, left to our own natural devices, it's very easy to just go, you know, day in, day out. How many of us think, oh my goodness, it's 2024 already. Where did 2023 go? So we're all aware of just time just going by very, very easily. And when it comes to choosing to do things for God or choosing anything in your life, really, it's very easy to not bother making a decision because that requires effort. The other thing that can hamper you actually making a choice is that you've got to have a bit of clarity around about your life. You've got to be quite focused and concentrating on what it actually is. And we've actually got some some psychological barriers to being able to focus on different things at different times. So here's an image which I think demonstrates that quite well. So as far as focusing there, we can see that there was a dog and a cat. But because of the way that that image has been uh, focused on there, um, it's referred to as the depth of field, the thing that you are drawn to, the thing that is in focus is the cat. So if you were just looking at that picture for a couple of seconds, you'd see the cat, you'd see a, you know, a fuzzy dog in the background, but you see the cat and you'd be looking at its little whiskers and its eyes and all that sort of thing. Hopefully you're not thinking, is the dog thinking what's for lunch? <laughs> but our minds are exactly like that. We are actually only able to focus on one thing at a time. And so when it comes to making a choice, you've got to be able to focus on that and think about that before you're going to be able to come to that place of making a choice. So then is serving a choice? Absolutely, yes, it is. You know, you think back to the Gospels when Jesus gave the ultimate choice to his disciples and his followers when he was here on earth. He said, come follow me. If that's not a choice, I don't know what is. And we saw many people did choose to follow him, and some of those decided then to not continue to following him. I'll I'll get to that later. But it is a choice. And let's have a look at a scripture that shows us that Jesus really is there presenting the choice to us. This is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That is choice, but we still need to choose to respond to Jesus. Now, choice, it'd be nice if there's no cost to pay. Yeah, I'll do that. But how many of us know, of course, you've got to follow it up with actions. There's things that you need to do. And in fact, sometimes your choices may dictate that there are some things that you need to stop doing, a leaving behind of certain things. Let's have a look at Joshua chapter 24 and verses 16 to 18. I won't give you the backstory because the passage here gives you enough of an insight. If you're not too familiar with the book of Joshua um, and you know, the Israelites' journey, you'll get, you'll get it out from here. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery, and he performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we travelled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. There'd been enough times and they didn't. And they got to this point going, you know what? God really is pretty amazing. We will choose to serve the Lord. And you know, that's Jesus himself. He actually tells us that he also came to serve. So let me give you another scripture. This is Jesus here. This is Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. 
which says, In the same way, the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is absolutely giving us the model for that. Now, of course, when it comes to serving, you don't serve yourself, do you? I mean, I suppose we've got all those self-serve things, but generally speaking, if you are serving, if you're doing something for someone, there's the clue you're doing something for someone, somebody else. And so then when we do that, it's not about what we get. It's about giving. So the focus is on giving, not getting. Matthew chapter 6 tells us about that. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. We're going to have a look at verse 19 and 20, first of all, which says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, of course, it's not about taking things because when we leave this earth, we can't take anything with us. So how can we possibly then store up things for ourselves in heaven? It's by serving God, by doing things for him, his people, his kingdom, and these people that we are with. Then if we skip through to verse 24, Jesus clarifies what this really looks like. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or put it another way, you cannot serve just God and yourself. There still is that choice. That verse is talking about a choice. There's going to be one or the other. We have those choices every single day. Now, I've got bad news for you. Making the choice, that's not where it ends. In fact, that's just where it starts. Saying, I'm going to, I'm going to serve God. I've lost count of the number of people I've heard that. Yes, I'm going, to serve, I'm going to serve this. And the very next week, they're not even in the building. So kind of like, what, what happened to that? Now, I get the emotion. And I get the desire and I get the intent, and that's great. It's got to start there, but there needs to be the follow-on. So choosing to serve God is not a one-time deal. In fact, the day you decide to serve God, let's call that day one. That's fantastic, and you will probably do something on there. But what about day two? You wake up in the morning, oh, a little bit tired, I think I might sleep in, and uh, I'll think about that other stuff a little bit later on. And then day three comes along and it's getting hard to remember what it was that you actually decided to do. And a week later, it's like, what, what did I say? I don't remember saying that. The choosing to serve God, it happens every single day, or it should. But look, I'm like the rest of you. I've got motivation issues. I've got sleep issues. Uh, I've got disappointments. I've got discouragements. I know it's shock, isn't it, that I would actually, of all people, experience any of those things. But I really do. And you know what? That, again, that is a part of the human condition. So expect those. In fact, if you don't experience any of those, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about your life. We'll do a My Story on you, okay? You will have your YouTube sensation debut. This person had never experienced motivation issues, energy, disappointments, or anything like that. And the next question is going to be, excuse me, is your name Jesus? Because that's the only, pla- only person I know who uh, never experienced any of those things. So choosing to serve God doesn't mean that you won't have those things. So be informed, be prepared, be ready for that. But it is going to be the journey of your life if you do those sorts of things. Now here's the other thing about when you're choosing to serve God. It isn't a goal. If you think about that for a moment, it's not a goal. There may be tasks that you do, and that might be a little mini goal. But if it's only to... 
I'm going to say hi to someone after the service and be a friend to them. Fantastic. Let's all do that today. In fact, let's do it every day. But okay, that's a little mini goal. But that's not the end of choosing to serve God. Otherwise, you've only served him in one instance. So in actual fact, think about your choosing to serve God in this way. Think of it as a journey. The journey where you never arrive. The goal is actually not the end point. The goal is the journey. So therefore, choosing to serve God is what you do every single day. You're looking for God out there in your life. God, how can I choose to serve you today? Where are you leading me? What are the things that I get to do for you as well? So serving by choice kind of is a big deal. I hope you get that already. Okay, second point here. Serving with your abilities is kind of a big deal. It really is. And you're going to see that there are abilities and perhaps more than you think there is in your life. Let's kick off with Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is so much in there. God has created us by his hand to do good works. So there's the doing not to just think about to actually do good works. And God prepared those things for each of us in advance for us to do. That's just pretty amazing, really. God's got your number, and he knows all the things that he wants you to do that he's planned and prepared for you to do. And so therefore, our uniqueness, I cannot emphasize this enough, our uniqueness is so special to God and so unique to all of each of us. Let me put this into perspective as far as, well, how unique am I? Well, I'm going to quote some unique people that you are probably familiar with. Moses, David, the Apostle Paul. How about getting a little bit closer to more modern history? Uh, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, the Wright brothers. Most of us will know some of those names at the very least. And we think of some things that we know about them or that they are famous for. So they're all unique. We don't need another Edison. That guy's already invented the light bulb. You can't invent something that's already been invented. We've already had an Einstein. So we've already had those unique people. We don't need any more of those. Do you know who we do need right now? You. Every single one of you. Every single one of us. We are all unique. And history may or may not know a lot about each of us, but God absolutely does. But I'm sure if you think back, there will be people in your lives, maybe they didn't have a big impression on you, but that was unique as far as that happened. But hopefully there will be people that did have a unique impression on you. I remember one of my school teachers, I was in grade four in my primary school, her name was Mrs. Cathels. And I was a, if I say the wrong one, I was a troubled child. <laughs> I was not, not, a, not in the, well, I was going to say not in the naughty sense, but no, I probably was a little bit naughty as well. In fact, I was so naughty growing up, I thought, you know what, I'm never going to be a teacher because, you know, if I've got to put up with people like me, I really don't want to be that. So God bless all the teachers uh, that are out there. But, uh, you know, I, I was quite emotional at different times. And this one teacher, Mrs. Cathels, she saw that in me. Everyone else was just like, oh, you know, get over it. But 
At that time in my life, I really did need someone to come alongside and just be that person for me to you know, bring me some reassurance or just acknowledgement that oh, I can see you're upset. Is everything okay? Uh, because you know, people don't always do things like that. So hopefully you can think of some unique people that did something for you or said something for you. Well, here's the challenge. Why don't you be that unique person yourself to others and look for opportunities to just say that encouraging word, to do that good deed, to do the things that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Because if you don't do it, it might not happen at all, whatever that is. And what a shame. I'm so glad I had my Mrs. Cathels as a primary school teacher. I'm sure I would have got over it if I didn't, but I'm so glad. And I get to tell you about her today as well. Now, here's another thing. Don't confuse notoriety or fame with importance or value. I'll say that again. Don't confuse notoriety or fame or being known. Don't confuse that with significance or value. We are all valuable in God's sight. Do you know how valuable? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ, to die for all of us. doesn't say, except for those people over on you know, table number seven. Every single one of us are valuable. Absolutely. And if you think, oh, yeah, but you're saying that, Bruce, because you're preaching. Well, think about this. Billy Graham. Somebody put, taught Jesus to Billy Graham. Anyone know who that person is? Pretty sure you don't. Billy Graham knew who that person was. And millions upon millions upon millions of people know about Billy Graham because of that person that wasn't known, but they played a significant role. They fulfilled what God had called them to do, which was telling Billy Graham about the love of Jesus. And so many people are in heaven because of that. So that person, we don't know their name, but they're significant in God and they're in heaven, I'm sure, right now. So bringing that back to our abilities then, you've got abilities because God wants you to use them. He's given them to you to actually use. They're not there just to collect dust, just to look impressive in the trophy uh, cabinet of your life. He wants you to actually use those. Serving with your abilities is kind of a big deal. Let's have a look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I'm going to take license here and say whatever gifts, plural, whatever gifts you have received. And we're meant to use those. Not suggestion. This verse doesn't say, think about maybe using the gifts that God has given you. It doesn't say that. Each of us should use the gifts that God has received us to do what? Serve others. Which is why serving is kind of a big deal. And we're meant to be faithful to God. And we're meant to serve in grace, not begrudgingly. I was at a restaurant with some friends on Friday night and uh, the table service wasn't full of grace, let's say. Wasn't my best restaurant experience. The company was great, as in the people and the friends that I was with, but uh, not so much the service. So um, maybe I should have whipped out this scripture and just showed it to them. I just don't think they would have been that appreciative, you know. Just, I got the vibe that they really didn't want to be there, period. So we are meant to be acting with grace and loving others. And you know what that means? Even when you're tired and you're cranky and you don't want to. That's an even better opportunity to say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Anyone brave enough to pray that prayer? I hope you do lots and lots. Now, and seeing scriptures about that that talks about abilities and gifts, you go, oh, yeah, but no, I don't really have much. You know, I'm pretty much, I'm an empty cabinet. You open the cabinet and there's nothing really there. Really? 
Well, that Bible verse doesn't tell that. But let me show you some examples up here. Let's have a look at abilities, first of all. And, of course, immediate disclaimer, this is not an exclusive list of all abilities that are out there. But have a look in there, and I'm sure most of you will see at least one thing that you can resonate with right now as far as abilities are concerned. And if you look hard enough, and if you, uh, if you have a genuine humbleness before God saying, God, thank you for all the things you've placed inside of me, I would hope that most of you see multiple things up there that God has gifted you with, that he's given you these different abilities. Some of these abilities are natural. God placed them in there. Others can be learned. It's not a problem of saying, oh, but I don't feel that God actually has gifted me with this. Well, learn it. Learn it. If there's a need, find out how you can actually meet that need. So those are abilities. You can easily learn those, and some of those come naturally. Then there are gifts as well. Let's have a look at gifts. Similarly, that's pretty much most of the spiritual gifts that are in the Bible. There are a few more that I didn't put up there, but most of them are actually up there. So I've got pretty strong confidence that all of you will see at least one of those gifts that you resonate with and that you can identify with. And if you can't identify with it, it might be that you just don't actually understand what those gifts are, what they look like, how you might use them, in which case we run a course here regularly. I actually have the privilege of running it. It's called SHAPE finding your God shape, and we will help you find out what those gifts are inside of your life. But take it from me, we've all got them. And when you operate in those gifts, you get such a joy and a pleasure because it's doing something that you like to do. You know, if you've got a favourite food, if you love chocolate, we don't have to try and talk you into eating chocolate, do we? It's like you just do it because you love it or whatever your favourite. Maybe you love doing certain type of exercise, going for a run or something, marathon running. Um, I don't understand that, but hey, if you're into it, fantastic. Help yourself, stay fit and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But if you do something that is you, you actually enjoy doing it. So I thought I'd just ask one of our our team that uh, you all know a few moments about some of the things that she likes to do and what she does. So Anne-Marie, I think you're down there. Come and join us. You will all recognise her from like 10 minutes ago because she's been worship leading. Hello. Who who doesn't know this face? Who forgot? We'll we'll pray for your short-term memory right now. So Anne-Marie, obviously one of the gifts that you use is your voice. Yeah. Do you feel that that is a gift from God or did you just make it happen? It's definitely a gift from God, but um, like at school they told me I couldn't sing. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't until... It wasn't Mrs. Cathal's, was it? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. But um, it was only because we didn't have anyone to really play or sing when we play in the church, so I had to learn. So that was really why. So you actually overcame, because obviously you are gifted in this. It's a gift of God. So you had to go, you know what, I'm going to press into this. Even though someone has said, I can't really do this, here's an opportunity, and you went for it. You could have easily gone, oh, well, I'm not going to try that. And you could have tried to be an engineer instead or whatever else that you are or aren't. Yes, yeah. They told me I was going to be an architect. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. (laughs) Fantastic. Now, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago because we've got uh, what we call mingle time. So if ever you look at our services online, up on YouTube, Metro Church WA, they stay there pretty much forever. We've got an online segment only, starts at 9.15 in the morning, and it's called mingle time. And we'd like to chat to different people in the life of the church. This morning we spoke to Pontip, who was in our cafe. So go and say hello to her afterwards and uh, say, I'm going to look forward to watching you on YouTube. But Anne-Marie, we spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and we asked you about your singing and the gifting. And you gave a very interesting example of how you see your voice being used when you sing professionally because that's what you have done as a career. You've been a professional singer, but of course you are singing here and worshipping God. What's that difference for you? Yeah, I think um, when I I was working as well as in the worship team at the same time, and so you could really feel there's a huge difference between 
when you're just performing and singing the right notes, playing the right notes, um, and it's all a bit like, here I am, look at me kind of thing. You've got to sort of act out this persona type of thing on stage. Whereas when you're in worship, um, whether at home or in the building, especially when you're on the stage leading others in worship, it's, um, it's not about you at all. There's literally, it's, it's a sacrifice of praise. It's dying to yourself and giving him all the glory that it's about him and not me. Um, but taking others with you through yeah. using that gift. Yeah, so thinking of different ways to engage um, our lovely, amazing people to focus on Jesus rather than our week and what we've been stressing about or anxiety, but surrendering that to God and putting it at the cross, laying it on the cross while we, we praise him. And, um, could I put it this way? Could I put it this way then, that it's still using the gift, but kind of like melting away from the gift, using it for whatever the reason and the purpose is that God wants you to use it for. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's just, it's a, really a privilege when you're on, you're, you're asked to, to lead um, worship or play an instrument or whatever it is, because it's just, it's really exciting to be able to flow with the team and the spirit of God and um, focusing on just, you know, what we can do to make it easier for everyone to really focus on Jesus so that when it gets mm. to your message or whatever, we've set up a platform to, for God to really minister to, to everyone. And so I think it's, yeah, it's a real privilege. And um, I've mm. learned a lot over the years how it's so different to just singing notes. It's about um, surrendering to him and, um, yeah, not mm. about you. So you've actually, you've mentioned two things there. You've, you've talked about the what, the gift itself, but you've also threw in there the why. Yeah. To bring people into worship. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Okay. It's fantastic. So as we just finish off this point about serving with your abilities is kind of a big deal. It is a choice. And I just encourage you, just pray about this. Seek God's direction. Okay, God, help me discover what these abilities are that you've placed inside of me. And how can I use them for you? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't use your gifts in a different way. You can absolutely use them all, everywhere, really. God doesn't have this like, no, it's only for you know, Sunday mornings between the hours of 9.30am and 11am. You're not allowed to use them any other time. It's not that at all. God wants you to be blessed and to be a blessing in every part of your life, in every day of your life. But just be seeking his direction about what it is that he wants you to do, how and where. Okay, so serving with your abilities is kind of a big deal. Here's my third point. Serving with excellence is kind of a big deal. It really is. Now, now, Luke, sorry, I did say before I didn't want my water, but I'm getting kind of dry. So would you mind? Yeah, thank you. Bring some water out there. When you're talking a lot, like you really do need to wet the whistle to use the, uh, the Australian slang there. So, um, oh, okay. You have not because you asked not. I, I've got that. I almost had another shower there. So, um, Okay. There we go. That's, that's the better one. Thank you, sir. Obviously, uh, that was planned. And I'm glad that most of you realised, what on earth is he doing? Probably not an example of excellent service. Now, sometimes it's not as obvious like that to you. Obviously, Luke knew that he was doing a really bad thing. But how tragic it would be if someone did that and thought, what's the problem? So I really want to encourage you. God, in all that I do for you, please help me to do this with an excellent heart and with an excellent spirit. 
And uh, if you're, you know, if you weren't born in Australia and you're new to our Australian culture, we do have a um, probably not godly culture attitude in Australia. It's this thing of near enough, good enough. There's a, a phrase of "she'll be right, mate," which basically is really, really bad. So, like, there's nothing right about that at all. <laughs> But uh, that is not kingdom culture. Let me tell you what kingdom culture is, and not just me. This is from the Word of God. Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You know, excellence, it's not necessarily about perfection, but it is doing the best that you can with what you have. It's an attitude it's a mindset. It's the way in which you go about doing things. So you may not necessarily have the best of things. That's okay. Excellence doesn't necessarily have to be that. But it is about you doing the best that you can with the things that you have, being excellent with those things, being excellent in how you go about doing those sorts of things. And people notice. They might not say anything. Don't ever let that be a dis discouragement for you. But I gave them such excellent service and they never said anything. Well, it shouldn't have been about them in the first place. It should have been about you providing excellent service and serving someone with a heart of excellence. You know, the impact of doing things well, sometimes it is very evident. Now, in the aviation world, for pilots, they've got this concept. It's called the 1 in 60 rule. What is it, I hear you ask? It says that after flying 60 miles, if you have a one degree error in your course heading, you will stray off course by one mile. Doesn't sound like much? Near enough's good enough? She'll be right, mate. Would you like to fly on an airline where the pilot gets on there and does the usual announcements and she'll be right, mate, we're going to head over to Melbourne, think we've got enough fuel, see how we go. There's no mobile gas stations at 35,000 feet over the middle of the ocean or the middle of Australia, for that matter of fact. If you see one, let me know, but uh, I haven't seen them. Now, if you think one degree, does that make such a difference? Let me show you why it does. For example, to fly from Perth to Sydney is 2,044 miles, 3,300 kilometres. Let's have a look at the map on what that typically looks like. And that's actually pretty close to the flight path. So if ever you've got a window seat, you'll actually see that you'll fly over near Esperance um, across Australian Bight, then you'll see the coast of Adelaide, and then you go inland again and head to Sydney. So that's the goal of flying from Perth to Sydney. But if you've got a pilot who doesn't think excellence is all that necessary and, you know, she'll be right, mate, then that one degree of difference, you will end up somewhere different. Let's have a look at that. Sydney down the bottom here is the intended target, dot, 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 and look where you end up, Gosford. Now, Pastor Ray, you're from New South Wales. Have you been to Gosford before? Your first church was in Gosford. Any planes flying overhead? I hope not. Well, maybe, ultralights. There is actually an airport at Gosford. It's 670 metres, there's a little grass runway, and they have ultralights there. Now, if you're flying on an Airbus A300, which is a wide-body aeroplane, they need a minimum of 2,400 feet. So um, say hello to the ultralight as you, you know, fly into it or over it or something like that. Not good. Now, that's a pretty drastic example, and I hope that never happens. But excellence, serving in excellence, doing everything in excellence really does matter. 
and it matters when you don't. Let's have a look at uh, an example of that. This is uh, Leviticus chapter 22 and verses 17 to 20. Because our excellence can mean all sorts of things. And so when we're giving to God, and Pastor Jeff talked about generosity in our giving moment there, what we give to God ought to be excellent as well. Let's pick it up in verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, If any of you, whether an Israelite or a foreigner residing in Israel, presents a gift or a burnt offering to the Lord, either to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering, you must present a male without defect from the cattle, sheep or goats in order that it may be accepted on your behalf. Do not bring anything with a defect because it will not be accepted on your behalf. What was the importance of that? Well, as farmers with livestock, if they were to be selling that livestock, then all the animals without defect, they're going to get the highest possible price for those. The scraggly ones, the ones with you know, three legs or two and a half legs or whatever the case may be, they're not going to earn as much. So there's a cost there. And the, the people were told, if you're going to be offering something to God, give him your best. Give him excellence. Give with a spirit of excellence. So the takeaway for that is when you're choosing to do something for God, do it the very best way that you can. Now here's something that you might not know, but if you think about it, hopefully it'll make sense to you. Did you know that excellence does not come automatically? It's intentional to be excellent. Now maybe for you, maybe part of your personality style or things that you've learned over the years, maybe you do things excellently in some areas of your life but probably not in every single area of your life. To become excellent at something takes effort, and to continually be excellent at something takes effort. Um, I'd actually just finished some undergraduate studies last year in counselling, got my qualifications, bit of a hard slog, and I remember for my first couple of assignments that I submitted, you know, obviously the goal is to submit the assignment and to get the answers right and to get a pass mark. So I got there, but I got a fair bit of feedback saying, well... Next time you could actually explain this a little bit better. Um, can you do a better demonstration of that, the fact that you understand this particular counselling concept next time? And so I realised that really I wasn't being an excellent student. I was passing, but there's a difference between passing and excelling. Yeah. And so then I realised, you know what, I'm probably... And the fact that I'm not focusing on doing the very best that I can, I'm possibly missing out myself in some additional learning along the way here. Who wants a counsellor who near enough is good enough? Probably not. You want some good counsellor. You want someone to listen well and to provide input well. So I changed my tactic. And then from that point on, every assignment that I did, I made sure that I learnt as much as I could. I gave as much explanation as I could, demonstrated to the best of my ability that I knew what the course content actually was. And I, and I got pass marks on every single one of those, and very few of those did I ever get any further, hey, by the way, next time. Now, that's not because I was learning more about the content, by the way, because every unit had completely different content. So it wasn't like I was building upon previous knowledge. Every unit was something new for me to learn. But my difference was I was applying excellence to doing that. So it does require work. It does require effort. Okay, let me wrap up then as I get to my last point. So, uh, worship team, if you could come, thank you. That'd be great. Serving with the right heart is kind of a big deal. 
We've talked about choosing, we've talked about excellence, we've talked about using your gifts and your abilities, but also serving with the right heart is kind of a big deal. Let's have a look at uh, Luke chapter 6 and verses 32 to 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Right heart attitude. When you serve, you may get thanked. You may not. You might even get abused. Hopefully not. But will you serve anyway? That's the ultimate test. If you help somebody out and they don't say thank you, are you going to stop helping or are you just going to get back on the bike and help the next person again? I hope it's the latter. It's about having the right attitude. Now, you can't do everything. I get that. We've all got limits to our abilities, to our times. We've all got certain abilities and gifts, so we can't necessarily do absolutely everything. But you know what we can do? We can do God's thing. God's thing for us. Um, there's a pastor that uh, is now also with the Lord, but uh, he said an amazing thing one time to me. He said, you know, there are godly things that you can do, and then there is God's thing. So that's for us to discern. In church life, you will be around a whole bunch of godly things that you can be a part of, and I would encourage you, explore all of those and look for where God wants you to be a part of it. They're all going to be great things because they're godly things. But what is God's thing for you? And only you know that between yourself and him. It's not for anyone else to say what that should or shouldn't be. But seek God for the God thing that he wants you to do amongst all of the godly things. Pray and get direction for that. And here's a bit of a clue for you. Your passion will be a good indicator of what it is that God has in store for you. If you are very strong, have very strong feelings, maybe about social injustice or about education or about health care, Whatever it is that you've got strong feelings or thoughts about, that's a pretty good clue that that's something that God would like you to be a part of. You see, what comes out of passion is compassion. If you've got compassion for somebody in a certain area of their life, it's because you are passionate about that particular area. And here's a tip for you. Don't feel guilty if you don't have compassion for every single need on planet Earth and for every single person. I'm not saying don't care about anybody, but open up your spiritual eyes and ask God to show you the people that you are meant to be connecting with and the need that you can be a part of. And don't let the enemy or anyone else distract you from, but you should know you should be doing what God wants you to do, not what someone else thinks perhaps that you should be doing. But let's have a look at Jesus' heart as well. This is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. 
That was a subtle message that Jesus was giving there, perhaps not so subtle. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And I'm pretty sure he would have looked at them each into the eye. And when he said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers, as in you guys plus others. So Jesus was moved with compassion and he wanted us to be a part of the solution as well. I can absolutely tell you this, that when you get to serve with the right heart, you will love it. And there will be fruit of that and people will receive of that fruit as well. Serving with the right heart is kind of a big deal. It is the most important thing you need to hear today. Following Jesus is a big deal. Not kind of a big deal. Following Jesus is a big deal. Because he came and he died for every single one of us. So that we could have forgiveness of sin, eternal life. And when we cease living our days on this world, go to be with him in heaven forever. And he made it so simple. Through Jesus coming from heaven, all we need to do is say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God, that you died for me. You can say a prayer as simple as that. You ask Jesus into your life. You ask him to forgive your sins. You choose to follow him. And that's it. Obviously, that choice is every day, but it is so simple. And we want to help you with that as well. So I would love you to pray that prayer when you feel to anything along those lines. God understands what it is. If it's your heart, if it's genuine, then that's what we'd encourage you to do. But here's the next thing we want to help you with and we would ask you to do is we've got a service which we call Yes Text. It's where you can text a special phone number. And when you text the word yes, Y-E-S, when you text the word yes, you're texting it to us here at Metro Church. And that's one way of you saying yes to Jesus in a tangible way. But the reason why we want you to text us is because what we will then do, we will send you a Bible verse for the next 30 days with a sample prayer that teaches you how to pray about that particular Bible verse. We'll do that for the next 30 days free of charge. It's us in the church. We don't give your details to anybody else out. You can opt out of that if you want to. Some people do, but not many. And after those 30 days, there are mini-series. You get similar messages again on a variety of topics. In fact, it's one of the great ways to learn about God and the Bible because if you do all of these yeses and the, and the mini-series, there is 18 months worth of content for you, all free of charge. We do that because we want to help you, we want to bless you, we want to lead you through Jesus. So would you do that for me? Text yes, say yes to him. If you're on a metrochurch.online platform, uh, you can click on a yes button there and say yes to Jesus as well. Or speak to somebody in our Connect Hub. We've got a prayer point at the outside the auditorium there. People that are there, they would love to speak to you about Jesus as well. Or anybody else that you've seen serving, they know Jesus. They love Jesus. They're just as qualified as me to tell you about the love of Jesus. So why don't you do that? Pastor Jeff, let me hand back to you. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Fantastic. Give him a big hand. Say thank you. That was great. Very practical. People online saying that was fantastic. Thank you for how practical that is. And, uh, you know, in this church, serving is never about guilt. We're trying to create that kind of an atmosphere. It's about a want to, not a have to. Uh, That's why this morning at the end, well, actually, before we go there, last night we celebrated our volunteers. We do this every year, have a big uh, party to say thank you. And uh, this is only about half of the ones that are there, but Mitch, with his incredible tech ability, shot this last night so he can have a bit of a look. That's about half the team of people 
that are serving here in Metro. That's the Mr. Whippy van over there on the right hand side. Free ice cream for everyone. So if you are thinking about serving, you go, I don't know where uh, my place is. There are four tables out in the cafe today where you can go and inquire about things like our hospitality area, the cafe, the host team. You can go and find out about the next generation with kids' church, parents' room, youth. You can find out about how we reach into the community outside of these walls with hope or threads. What about creative and production here within the life of Metro? Go out there and talk to someone about that. That would be great. But as well, tonight, of course, it's Metro Life. We do this once every month, get together in homes, celebrating our family of being believers following Christ. But we have one in the building that Pastor Bruce and Sebastiano and Rashida, they host. Maybe some of you have got questions. You go, I'd like to ask Pastor Bruce, the guy who preached about that. Go out there and sign up at the Connect Hub to be here tonight. Food's provided. We'd love to host you here for the Metro Life that's in here. There's other ones in the home, of course. You know, last week we celebrated all of you that are serving God outside of the four walls of Metro and what goes on here. I want you to understand that next Sunday we've got a special guest. Her name is Tamson Cullingford. She is the head, the CEO of Youth Care. Youth Care is what organises all the chaplains for over 400 schools in WA. I think it's something like 800 chaplains. Uh, every one of those people serving God in their community. We as Metro Church have been a part of youth care for 35 years, I think. I've gone to the AGMs and all the rest of that stuff. We thought it was about time. We gave a little bit of prominence to that. Some of you will want to know about that. So next Sunday is your opportunity. She's a great speaker, a phenomenal leader. And I would encourage you to bring your friends along for that. That's next Sunday morning. As well as that, our Easter conventions coming up, Launch Into the Deep uh, is the, the theme of that. We're gonna have an incredibly amazing time in the things of God. Our guests again are Vicki Simpson, Pastor David Shaver, but to cap off the entire uh, Easter weekend, we've got Pastor Joseph Yepwe, a Nigerian pastor from our church in Kalgoorlie, and the man can preach. He's gonna be here, it'll be great for sure. Uh, apart from that, I just wanna let you know about the All Asia Conference happening in Klang, that's the sister city to KL. Uh, I'm actually the host of that conference as a part of my role for INC. We've got people, I think, from eight Asian nations, uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, uh, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, etc. All kinds of places coming. You have my personal invitation. I know that uh, you're coming, aren't you? Uh, and I also know Tendai, wherever she is, I think they're coming up from here as well. It's going to be a fantastic time. And if you'd like to know more about that, just go to the website. It'll tell you all about it, all right? Brilliant. Well, before we leave this morning, and Sebastian and Rashida, who I mentioned earlier, they're going to be in the prayer space out there if you need prayer. Pastor Ray is taking ministry time online in the studio. But here she comes again, that beautiful girl, Anne-Marie, that not performer, 
but that ministry is going to lead us and tend to I and everyone else. Come on, let's stand and worship God together before we go this morning. Hope we see you somewhere soon. Let's love God before we leave this place. Well, let's all clap. Let's just worship. Let's just step in and choose to worship. Praise in the valley. I'll praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure. I'll praise when I'm doubted. I'll praise when I'm numbered. I'll praise when I'm numbered. Hope we see you somewhere soon. God love you. Bye-bye.